Welcome, and thank you for listening to the podcast of North Etowah Baptist Church. Visit us online at northetowah.org. Rather than church being a place where people far from God are met with shame, guilt, and condemnation, we believe Jesus leads us to be a family that extends His grace, mercy, and forgiveness to everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's service. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here together and to glean from your word to hear what you have for us today as we consider love. As we consider this month, love. And God, today we see the fruits of the Spirit and the first one we see is love. So God, today I pray that you would anoint my mouth, my voice, that I would proclaim what you have for us to hear today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I want you to join me now as we take a trip. I want you to use your N-O-G-G-I-N, your noggin. I want you to imagine something with me. What is your favorite drink? It could be water. It could be coffee. It could be tea. It could be Mountain Dew. Hey, that's mine. It could be Dr. Pepper. It might be orange juice. It might be a big old glass of milk. I don't know what your favorite drink is, but I might not have mentioned your favorite drink, but right now, I want you just to imagine. Think about that favorite. No, we're not going to get up and give it to you, okay? I know you're going to be thirsty now, but just think about what that favorite drink is. What is that favorite drink? You got it in your mind? All right, now imagine that I go around and give you a big old glass. It might be hot, it might be cold, it might be full of ice. I'm giving you that. And you're thirsty and you take a... Ah, oh, man, that is good. You liking your drink so far? Remember, what is it you're drinking? Mm. All right, now you're getting ready to take that next sip. And someone next to you inadvertently bumps into you like a linebacker running into a running back. Or a five-year-old comes as you're taking that sip and jumps in your lap at the same time. That same drink that you were enjoying so much is now all over you. You have got that drink that you love so much and you have poured it all over your person. Whatever was in that cup is all over you. It's all over the carpet. It might be next to the might be on the person next to you. All we know is whatever whatever you put in the glass is now not in the glass. It was so wonderful when it was in the glass and you were able to consume it, but now it's everywhere and now you're thinking, "Ah, whatever that drink might have been." You and I are just like that cup filled to the brim. Whatever is on the inside 
is going to come out. So you see how great it was on the inside, but whatever is on the inside is going to come out. You and I are the same way. We are filled. We fill ourselves with stuff all the time. And the question is, what are we filling ourselves with? When it comes out, we may try to do some damage control. Woo, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. I, I shouldn't. And you, you're calling people and you're, you're apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be a church-going Christian and I should never talk that way. I'm sorry you saw me looking at that that I shouldn't have been looking at. I'm sorry that I laughed at that that I shouldn't have been laughing about. I got caught and I'm embarrassed by it. And I'm trying to cover it up now because the spills that I have created. And, and, but the damage is done. The damage is done. Like hot coffee, our words sometimes burn our family and friends. Like, a, like, like, like ice. We have chilled relationships at times. And like grape juice or tomato juice. We leave stains that can't be cleaned. Whatever is on the inside will come out. But friend, today, I want you to know something. God wants to change you. God wants to change what's on the inside. He doesn't want to just leave us the way he found us. God replaces that bitterness and that strife that you have been feeling. He replaces that with forgiveness and with love. God wants to help that envy that's in your heart to go away and give way to contentment. God wants to push away the fear and let you be filled with peace. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, jot some of these, these things down. Uh, uh, we started out there in the fruits of the Spirit. We'll come back to that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But now I want you to just jot some of these scriptures down if you can't get turned to them. Because go back and look at it later. Because in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you become a Christian, you're something new, friend. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, He comes in to live within you. The Bible says that we are the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you, have, whom, whom you have from God and not your own? So we are a new creation when, when we accept Christ as our Savior. We're new. And, and God expects us to act new. He starts changing us on the inside. But here's the deal. He also comes to live within us. When we become this Christian. When we become this something new. And when He comes in to live within us... Oh my, I knew I was going to get there. How many of you have ever moved in your life from the house you lived in, you moved to another house? Raise your hand. Everybody almost, if not everybody. Men, tell me this. Your wife had to redecorate, didn't she? Or is it you men that's doing it? Jason? <laughs> 
Blake, no, not you. When you move in somewhere new, what do you do? You start to decorate. When you move in, did you like those old chartreuse walls that the previous owner put up? When you moved in, you might have moved into a new house. Did you like that old, the, the just original uh, white wall paint? Or maybe you didn't like the carpet. Or maybe, maybe you chose the carpet because it was new. But you see what I'm getting at. When you move in somewhere, you go to changing it. You go to fixing it up, to redecorating. Friends, that's exactly the situation with God. When he moves in, he goes to redecorating you. He goes to changing you. Now you say, well, I'm no good. You're right, you're no good. I'm not either. None of us are. But God redecorates us. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he does some redecorating. He goes over here. He sees this portrait of hurt. And he says, I'm going to take it down. And I'm going to put a landscape of grace up. Isn't that cool? He sees those walls of anger. And he demolishes them. He sees those shaky foundations and he restores them. You see, God does all this redecorating. God wants to change you, friend. God wants to change you. We may be satisfied in our little house, our man cave or whatever, with a recliner and a refrigerator. But God's not. God wants to make you a temple. God wants to make you a, a, a big old palace. God's going to make you fine. He wants to make you the, the, the vessel because he's living there. And he wants to fix you up. And he wants to take care of you. And that's what he does when we accept the free gift of salvation. He comes in and he does some changing. Aren't you glad he does? Boy, I am. Boy, I am. Now, let me tell you this. God made you, and he loves you. Friend, he loves you in spite of what you've been doing. He loves you even though you, you were laughing at that, and you were looking at that, and you were lying about that, and cheating here, and, and doing those things that you'd be ashamed of if somebody else knew, and he still loves you. Oh, he loves you. But see, he knows he created you perfect, but that fallen, sinful human nature doesn't got a hold of you. And he wants to come in and change you. You're right. You can't do it on your own. I, you're exactly right. You've gotten so deep, you're thinking, how can I fix this? God can, and God wants to. You see, he loves you. He loves you exactly, you. He loves you the way you are, in spite of you. But he refuses to leave you that way. Isn't that wonderful? He wants you to become more like Jesus. Again, one of the best descriptions is the fruit of the Spirit. And it says in Galatians 5.22 again, but the fruit of the Spirit is is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So think about Jesus. Jesus loves 
Jesus is joyful. When you think of Jesus, do you think of being fearful? No. You think of him being at peace. And he's never in a hurry, so he's patient. He's kind. He's good. He's never fickle, but he's faithful. And he's trustworthy. And he's not harsh, but gentle. And he doesn't lose his temper because he's always in control of his emotions. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. That's what I was talking about. You can't do it. I can't do it. We can't do it without Jesus without trusting in Him and putting our faith in Him and turning to Him. When Jesus said we're connected to Him, He said that's the person that's going to bear much. We want to bear fruit. We need to be more connected to Jesus. The Holy Spirit produces His likeness within us. All of these fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self. Did you know that every one of them flows out of love? That's the reason we're, we're centering our attention on love this morning. Think about this. Love is first. Then joy. Joy is love rejoicing. Peace is love trusting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love that is serving. Goodness is love that is extending. Faithfulness is love that is proving. Gentleness is love that is touching. And self-control is love that is restraining. How can the fruit of the Spirit be developed in our lives? We want those fruits of the Spirit. How can love be developed in your life and mine. First thing is this. What is love? We talked about it last week. But what is love? What is love? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What in the world is the writer talking about here? Paul wrote the letter to Galatians, so it's Galatians chapter 5. And, and so what's he talking about when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love? You see, I've, I've talked to you about this before. We've preached on this. You've heard it taught. I'm telling you, in America, we love everything, don't we? Oh, I love my car. How I love my Mountain Dew. I love my house. I love my wife. I love my girlfriend. I love my boyfriend. Oh, I was taking a drink. They don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Take a drink with that love juice, I guess. I don't know. I love, we love everything. Sometimes we love the stock market. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we, you see, we love. and We, we use love, just, just, we just use it too much. We use it and abuse it. And we're, I think we're confused to what love really means. 
You see, there's so many words for love in the Bible. There's eros, which is more an erotic or a, or a uh, passionate love, a physical love. And then there's stergo, which is, is, a, is a love of your family. We love our families. And then there's phileo, which is an affectionate love, brotherly love. It's Philadelphia Eagles, the city of brotherly love. They, they love each other up there, they claim. It's a friendship love, phileo. And then we have agape. Agape is a volitional love, a self-sacrificing love, a divine love, a love you're not lovable, but I just choose to love you anyway, love. That's what agape is. It's divine love. It's the, it's the one that's been spoke of here. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's what the writer was talking about. Listen, I like how the message writes it. The message translates this. 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard this before, but I'm going to read it from the message this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. Many of you might have had this read at your funeral. Not your funeral, your wedding. <laughs> I really did that on purpose. I'm just trying to get a laugh. But many of you might have had this read at your wedding. 1 Corinthians 13, talking about love. But this is from the message. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Verse 5, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sin of others. Starting to convict me. Verse 6, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. It puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always, see all these, always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Verse 8. Love never dies. What a great definition of love. But it gets even better. A great definition I just read. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Here's one I want you to turn to. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse number 10. 1 John chapter 4, here's how it gets even better. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Oh. As Jason was talking earlier about the deep, great, vast love of God. Here we go, church. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here is love. Love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He loved us so much that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Don't get hung up on that propitiation because I couldn't figure it out either. I'm from Riceville and I can't figure out those things. That means payment. I know what a payment is because they always want me to pay something. So I'm thinking, that's what God did. He loved me so much he sent his son to be the payment for my sin. My sin. That stuff I've been doing that we've talked about the whole time. That stuff that I'm so guilty of. Ladies and gentlemen, that's love. That is love. In spite of me, agape love chose to love me. In spite of you and all that you do and done and have done and did and, and will do, He chooses to love you. That's love. <laughs> And he sent his son to die for me. To die on an old rugged cross. And the movies can't make it bad enough. The passion of the Christ that came out probably a decade ago maybe. It, it doesn't even do justice. to what, Or more than a decade I guess. To what Jesus endured on the cross of Calvary. That's love. So when we say, I love that, I love my car, I love... friends, we are using love flippantly. We don't know. God set the standard. You want to know what kind of loving person you are? Don't look at me and don't look at your neighbor. Compare yourself to God and see how loving kind of a person you are. That's what love is, friends. God set the standard. That's what love is. Then let me ask you the next question. There's three questions this morning. First is, what is love? The second question is this. Is love important? Is love important? I answer that question by saying this. How important is water to a fish? It has to have water, doesn't it? Love has to exist. Love is the prerequisite to life. You and I are nothing without love. Think of this, 1 Corinthians, jot it down, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. You, might, you probably already get there quicker than I can say it, but 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, the verses that I, before what I read earlier. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, it says, the writer again, it's Paul again writing to the church at Corinth. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels... That means if I speak eloquently, I've got great speech writers and I'm able to really be an eloquent uh, orator. I'm able to really be a good preacher, a good dynamic speaker. He says, if I'm all that, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all kinds of faith, so as to even remove mountains. You know, Jesus said, got a faith in the mustard seed, you can move a mountain. But if I have not love, I am nothing. You see, he keeps saying I'm nothing. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 13. If I give away all I have, and I'm benevolent, and I help everybody, 
and I just give, 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 give. And if I deliver my body up as a martyr to be burned, and I never quit being what I'm supposed to be, but if I have not love, I gain nothing. I'm nothing more than old rusty hinge on a gate. I'm nothing more than the clang. I'm nothing if I have not love. That's how important love is according to God's. So no matter what I say that I believe, I can tell you that I believe it all day long. And no matter what I do, I am bankrupt if I don't have love in my heart. God is not impressed by my bank account. God is not impressed by what I do. God's not impressed by how much I know and how much I study. God doesn't keep an account. Oh, that's a good deed. I better keep track of that up in heaven. He's watching. No, he's not doing all that. All these nice words. I say, oh, happy to meet you today. Good morning. Uh, no, you don't keep track of that, friend, because all of that is just a bunch of gong and yeah, yeah. If you don't have love in your heart, God's not going to look at that stuff because it's all meaningless and empty without love. We can do all sorts of stuff, but if we don't have that love in our hearts, we are nothing. How important is love? Friend, we've got to have love in everything we do and everything we say. We've got to have that love that, of God in our hearts. We have got to say that God is after that which lasts. And that is love. What lasts is love. And not more religion. You hear what I'm saying? He is wanting us to love and embrace and tell the world about the saving power of His Son that's the payment for our sins. God doesn't look at the outward appearance how beautiful you are, how nice your stuff is. He looks at the heart. He is looking for a heart that's overflowing with love. So we know what love is. We know love is important. If it's important to God, it's got to be important to me and you. What's the third question? We know, it's, we know what love is and we know that it's important. So the third question is this. How can love be developed in my life? How can I develop love in my life? How can love be developed in our lives? I got a few points here. We got a desire to love. That's the first thing. If you want to have love develop in your life, you've got to desire to love. And you know the first thing to do there? I bet you most of you could guess. The first thing to do is pray. We have got to get earnestly on our knees. Ask God to make me more loving, God. Make my church more loving. Make my home more loving. Make us more loving. Guess what? There has never been a prayer to pray he ain't going to answer. He's answering you. God's hearing you. Be earnest. God, make me more loving. Focus on loving other people. Focus on loving others instead of what you're going to receive for yourself. Focus on 
giving instead of receiving. Desire to love, you know what that does? That, that desire, uh, it, it flows out of a security of knowing that God loves me. So I need to know that God loves me. And when I know God loves me in spite of me, I'm able to better go out and tell the world about his love for them. And I can be more loving to others. So we need to love others because God has given us his love. We love because he first loved us. John 4, John 4 and verse 19. So the first thing to do is to desire to love. The second thing is train your tongue. Train your tongue. Keep your words soft and sweet and you never know when you're going to have to eat them. You ever had to eat your words and think, I wish I hadn't said that? You remember my illustration at the beginning talking about how we all mess up and we say stuff and we try to pull it back and we try to cover it up? I want you to know something. Luke 6, 45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, but the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart the mouth speaks. I had the opportunity to, to see Larry Benson when he had his motorcycle accident the other night. And he accidentally moved that leg when I was standing there. And it hurt. Larry had a motorcycle accident and he, he planted that foot the way I understand and, and it just stoved up that knee terrible. But he moved as he's laying there in that hospital bed there in the ER and it hurt. And he, you could see his whole body just wrenched in pain. And he let out a yell. Oh! Not going to yell like he did. <laughs> but here's the thing. He looked at Lori said, I didn't say anything. <laughs> And he looked at me. I said, no, a preacher's standing here. You better not say anything. And he said, he said that'd make a preacher cuss. I said, I understand. But here's the, other, here's the other thing. When they were at the ER in Athens, they had to move him around for an x-ray, move him here, move him there. Lori said he never said a word. He just, he hurt. But I say that to say this, friends. Out of your heart, comes what's really inside when you get when the going gets tough the reel's coming out and I'm proud to say I know Larry Benson that that dude's a tough cookie um, you know it, you could you could say words and wish you hadn't said them and and do things and actions you wish you hadn't done he didn't I want to tell you this today friend we got to train our tongue because when we say it flippantly at school or say it just at work, whatever that word is you've been saying, you know you shouldn't be saying. You know what I'm talking about? What word is it? No, I'm just kidding. You don't repeat it. You know, you hear it on television and the movies or whatever. Don't repeat that nonsense. That's not anything from you and me to be talking like. We need to train our tongue not to be talking that way. Amen? No, I said amen. amen. Did you hear? Did, did you hear? Okay, we all got it. Let's don't be talking that way. Third thing, so we need to, we need to desire to love, we need to train our tongue, we need to forgive people. I'm not going to ask you, but I would ask you, don't, don't raise your hand literally. How many of you struggle to forgive people? Mm -hmm. It's in all of us. 
Love doesn't keep a score. It keeps no record of wrong. But we're human and we all do it. So we need to do better at not keeping score, friends. Love forgives people. And then we need to express our love in tangible ways. Just a soft touch, quality time, gifts, acts of service, just whatever, just to be there. And uh, just to let, pe- let someone know that you're thinking about them. Express that love. And then finally, make a commitment to love. Commitment. We struggle with commitment, don't we? <laughs> we don't, this day and age, there's no commitment to nothing. But I want you to know that over in the front of your Bible, it's probably, in most Bibles, used to have it. I wonder if they still do. See, there's not even one in the front of my Bible. I was going to look and see. A lot of times they have a marriage place where you go in there and you, you place uh, your name, your uh, bride's name. You can write uh, the witnesses and everything to who married you. You've got one of those uh, marriage certificates if you're married. And you know, whenever you got married, you signed on that. And you said, yeah, I'm going to love him from death till, till death do I part. Or till death do he part. And I, I'm going to love him in spite of him. I'm going to love him even when he throws his dirty everything all over the kitchen table. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just making that. I hadn't done that, have I? No, I hadn't done that. But friends, what I'm saying is, we got to love each other in spite. Commitment is gone. We got issues. We need to get committed to the marriage. One man, one woman for life. I didn't hear you. One man, one woman for life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stand true to that. I'm going to keep preaching that because that's what this book says, the Bible. It's it's the inerrant, infallible, inspired, perfect word. This is your manual for life. Commitment. That's what we got to get back to. Commitment. In in marriage, there's no commitment. We watch it on television. They didn't do everything and go every which direction. They get married. They're not married. They don't matter if you're married. It's whatever. And we emulate that in life. And it has finally come into the church. And it's just infiltrating us. Marriage is one man, one woman for life. There is no room for other marriages. Because God made us male and female, created he them. That's the way it is. And that's the way we're going to stand. Love is fueled by commitment. God is committed to you, friend. Love is a decision to act a certain way. Let's all decide. Let's just make up our mind that we are going to love and be committed to it. I close with this. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. What a perfect little song that children sing. But how true it is. God's word tells me that he loves you. Today you're in this place for a divine reason. God knew you were coming before he ever created me and you. He knew that you and I were going to be here right now. 
He knew you were going to be watching on the uh, Facebook, Internet. He knew that you was going to be listening on the radio. He knew you were going to be sitting wherever you're sitting right now, where you're standing, where you're driving, wherever you may be. He knew where you was at. And he had you here. He's got you at this moment right now for his purpose. And it's going to bring glory to him. When you respond the way he's telling you to respond right now, he may be telling you to rededicate yourself to him. He may be telling you, you know you need a relationship with me and I want to come into your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, friend, it's easy to become a Christian. It's hard to live like one. We know that. But it's easy to become a Christian. You just have to turn from your old wicked ways and go toward God. You need to say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I mess up. I admit that. I believe that Jesus died on that cross. There's a stained glass window of it right there. There's a cross behind me on the screens. He died on that cross of Calvary. I believe that. I believe that three days later after he had been placed in that old borrowed tomb, I believe he came out of there and he's alive. And I believe that he is in heaven right now making a place for me. I believe the Bible. And I choose to live that way. And I believe that and I want him to be my Savior. And friend, that's how you become a Christian. And you say, Lord, I believe and I want you and I want to live for you and I want you to live in my... I want you to come in and redecorate. Will you come in and redecorate God? That's how you become a Christian. For us already Christians, being around for a while, God sometimes needs to do some redecorating. Even though you've been living in your house a while, your spouse may want to redecorate every now and then. Just because it gets stale. Has your Christian life got stale? You need to redecorate. You need God to sort of move some furniture around in your heart. Maybe you've got some furniture put ahead of where he, he's got stuff that you know. You know what I'm talking about. You've got your priorities out of whack. This is your time to rededicate yourself. This might be just your time. Here, friend, listen to this. God's telling you, won't you go pray? I want you just to go pray at the altar because there's somebody else watching. And they just want you, they just need somebody to make a move. Because <laughs> they don't want to be by themselves. I don't know what the need is. And I don't know what God's telling you. But here, friend, don't let me tell you what to do. I just want you to follow where God leads you, okay? Do whatever he calls and tells you to do right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we've had. Musicians are coming. We're going to sing. And Lord, whatever needs to occur in this time of response, a time of invitation, a time to join this, this congregation, a time to come and to rededicate, a time to come and just pray, just to talk to you, uh, just to come. God, maybe there's somebody who needs to come and to be to ask me to help them and pray with them as they want to be a Christian. I don't know the need. You do. So, Lord, whatever occurs, let it be in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the services at North Etowah Baptist Church. If you made a decision for Christ today, head over to northetowah.org contact. Fill out the form, and someone from our staff will be quick to contact you not to mention we'd love to worship with you. All worship times and other activities can be found on our website. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.